another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work on joehaggerty.substack.com. Also, uh, over the last month or so, writing for Boston Sports Journal. So you can check all of my NHL and Bruins thoughts, takes, writing at both of those sites. Uh, Plenty of hags to go around along with this Pucks with Hags podcast. Today, I am welcomed by Connor Ryan from boston.com. Longtime Bruins writer now. You're a veteran at this point, Connor. You're not a new kid anymore, right? I, I know. I got a little gray on the side of my head now. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm part of the crew now. So happy to be you, here. You are. You're like Brandon Carlo, who has gone from like a young guy on the team to all of a sudden now a, a veteran and a leader and a guy that's been around the block a few times. So thank you very much for joining us. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Uh just a quick shout out to our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, visit fanduel.com slash Boston and, and uh, get get right in the middle of the NHL season that's uh, going on right now. $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Also, Factor Meals, we love them. Uh, ready Meals ready in two minutes, delicious, healthy, chef-made. Uh, my wife loves them because they're like 550 calories uh, and they're delicious. Even the exotic-sounding stuff that maybe I wouldn't like traditionally, I actually think is pretty good. So thank you, Factor Meals. Uh, let's just jump into it with the Boston Bruins here. Um, I mean, I, there's a lot to talk about, but just eight zero and one after nine games, and now they're starting to play divisional games, better teams. Like I continue to be very impressed, blown away by but what this team is doing. And now we're getting into like ten percent of the season is gone, has been played. And Thanksgiving is coming, which is always the playoff marker. Uh, you know, if you're, you're in by uh, Thanksgiving, you've got, you know, percentage-wise, a really good chance to be in the postseason. That's only a few weeks away. I mean, we're talking about a team that's going to be a playoff team. I, I, unless barring a, like, huge collapse at some point or major injuries, like, killing them, this is a team that I think we've got to, like, maybe change our expectations, certainly, uh, and change the way we view them you know, and not be surprised by what we're seeing on a nightly basis with this team anymore. Yeah, I think the uh, esteemed Kevin Paul DuPont tweeted out something yesterday. I think the Bruins could go 500 the rest of the way, and they'd still finish with, I think, 92 points, I want to say. So, like, they're right. Yeah, even if they completely bottom out, they're still going to be right in the mix of being what I think maybe we thought they were going to be at the start of the year, which is, like, the last week, you know, the last two weeks of the regular season, are they a wildcard team? They might be, you know, locked into a second spot in the Atlantic right now if they play like this, or even even first if they are better than Toronto. Um, yeah. And I think I think you look at the way this team is built. I think it's easy to project that they were going to be in the mix just because the goaltending, the defense was going to be so strong. But I think the biggest question mark is where you're going to get enough offense, where you're going to get enough uh, guys pulling on the rope. And again. I think last night's win over Florida is kind of a microcosm of the team. Like, it's not going to be pretty. I don't think you're going to see a lot of 60-minute efforts. But uh, whether it's, you know, fighting off that five-minute penalty with, you know, only four defensemen out there, these guys either have whatever you want to call it, the metal, the uh, the fortitude they have to kind of grind through some of these wins. It's not going to be pretty most nights. But whether you have a guy like Pasanak who can kind of carry you through long stretches of the regular season with how good he is offensively, or a guy's just chipping in here and there. You're not going to have Taylor Hall in your third line or anything like you had in years past, obviously. But um, when you have a defense and a goaltending that's so uh, so strong night in and night out, plus enough guys that I think can pull on the rope uh, on various nights, you have a team that is able to, at the very least, you know, for the regular season, can kind of uh, pile on points steadily throughout the year, which 
is impressive to see considering how much they lost over the offseason. Yeah, if you have in the NHL, if you have very good defense and very good goaltending, you're going to win games and you're, you're yeah. going to be better than the middle class. You're going to be better than certainly the seller dwellers. You're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot all the time if those are your strengths of your team. And really, the offense determines how high up the scale you go yeah. as far as like uh, contenders, playoff teams. And, you know, I, I, my only question with this team, and it does relate to the offense, is um, how much of a mental and physical grind it's going to be the way that they're going to have to win. Because you see it night after night after night. There's not a big margin of victory yeah. Uh, when they win they're winning a lot of one goal games they're winning a lot of games where they've got a battle in the third period uh, to get out with the two points or get pushed into overtime and have to win it there and and I think the the taxing nature of playing that way it's a tough way to live in the NHL if you're constantly you're just going to be one goal ahead maybe two goals ahead uh, of the other team in the third period where they're just going to be throwing everything at you thinking they still have a chance to win so uh, how much is that going to take out of them mentally, physically, as the year goes on? Is that grind of having to play that way going to, you know, take a little bit more out of them, take a bigger chunk out of them than maybe, you know, certainly last year where it was, you know, party time in the third period when they were blowing teams away with their depth and like going up by three, four goals. So like, that's my only question is just having to play that way and live that way. How much is that going to wear on them? But like they are showing an ability to do it and they're going to yeah. continue to be able to do it because they don't beat themselves a lot of times because their strengths of their team. So you, I, I think you're right on like it, they're going to be, I think, a top three team in the Atlantic division. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, we'll see what like Tampa's capable of once they get Vasilevsky back, but Florida's capable of once they get their players back. But I think by that point, It'll, the way the Bruins are playing, they're going to be so far back, they're not going to be able to catch the Bruins unless they completely fall on their face. So, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch, but they're just building themselves such a cushion right now that they're going to be able to handle some of the things that are coming uh, their way a little bit later in the season. All right, everybody, we're smack dab in the middle of the NFL season. You know what that means? That means more time for you to get involved with FanDuel Sportsbook. That's right. Uh, the NFL season is in full swing. Even the NHL season is in full swing as well. So you should be getting uh, your wallets out and you should be getting involved with the excitement that is FanDuel Sportsbook. Score, score early in this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150, bucks, people if your team wins so if you have a good feeling and you know um let's say you you're betting uh, all your money on the team that's playing the patriots because you think the other team's going to win and the patriots are going to lose that's been a smart bet all season you do that you get 150 bucks from uh from fanduel sportsbook how do you like that if you've been thinking about joining fanduel there's no better time to get in the action than right now the app is extremely easy to use it's a wide range of betting options that include spreads player props over unders so much more the app is great uh it's it's very easy to use um so visit fanduel.com boston and kick off the nfl season and do it right right now with FanDuel Sportsbook because they got your back and they're going to give you 150 bucks in bonus bets if you win that $5 bet. Mass 21 and plus present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. 
Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Um, some news uh, this week, obviously, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game. But uh, first things first, Danton Heinen getting signed, uh, ends up playing in that game last night. I think everybody was happy to see that on the team after he had, you know, been doing, doing the right in, things in, in right limbo. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Going to practice for a month, like not really like, you know, getting any guarantees that it was going to happen for him. And it was, I've made the parallel before it was similar to 2013 with Jay Pandolfo when he came in on a tryout. And I think it was like 11 or 12 or 13 games, something like that. It was a long time uh, before they actually signed him to a contract where he was just sitting around practicing like, Hey, I'd like to play guys. It would be nice. Yeah. Um, so just what you think of Heinen, uh, the signing of him now, uh, bringing him into the mix, what does this mean in the greater scheme of things for them? Does this mean where, you know, Jesper Boquist is probably not going to be, uh, seen much this year. And, you know, I, my feeling, they made a determination, they brought up Boquist, they brought up some other guys that they kind of had made promises to about NHL looks, uh, Patrick Brown as well and some other players um, that they're, they're also going to be in the mix for that. But I think they want to give each of those guys sort of their shot to play a game before they sign him uh, and then you go back and sign him and, and kind of commit to him as another player that they're going to give long looks for at the NHL level. And, you know, on some level, he's going to get probably some kind of preferential treatment because Montgomery's got a history with him and he really right. likes him having coached him before. And this guy's got a history with, you know, all the players on the team. So uh, he always had the in on those two certain things, but you know, I think he'll be a, a, a contributing member of this team. No doubt. Yeah. I, I think you look at, I think the Bruins probably went through a pretty fair process with that as you kind of mapped out where, I mean, signed him, they were like, listen, we're going to put you in limbo a little bit here, but they wanted to see what they had. And other guys like Boquist, who's played in the NHL Brown, yep. who they, you know, Brown, a guy they signed the first day of free agency, who they probably thought was going to probably be their fourth line center going into the year before a guy like Beecher, made a push during the preseason. Um, yep. But I, I think for Heinen, right, for a contract like that, making, what, 775, uh, for what he brings, again, uh, I don't know if he's a guy you want in there in the lineup every single day. I don't know if it's the same expectation you have for him maybe a few years ago when he's on that third line. But for what he's making, and I think what he can bring in terms of he's a versatile player, you kind of know what you can expect out of him, solid two-way guy, like not flashy. We all kind of know what Dan Heinen's game is. But if he's your – 13th forward injuries are going to inevitably happen. He can play on the fourth line, the third line. I mean, if you need him to bump up in the lineup for a game or two, like he has done that before with guys before. Um, so yeah, I think when you look at just what the price is going to be for a guy like that, uh, if he's your spear forward, I think that's actually a pretty solid spear forward for a guy that again, didn't go in free agency. You're not really shelling out a lot of money to get him. Um, so if that's his role and he can, you know, pop in when needed, I don't see any harm in that for for what he brings. Again, he's a guy that has a not a very high ceiling, but his floor is a guy that I think you can definitely work with if you have him as your extra guy on NHL roster. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think the fact that he has in the last couple of years really worked on his 200 foot game, worked on playing at both ends of the ice, become a, you know, 
a viable defensive player as well as you know when he and he kicks in offense occasionally and what he was known for earlier in his career and you know coming out of college that we weren't sure what his offensive upside was going to be if it was going to be higher than it was and his first season in the NHL was really good offensively too so kind of figuring out where his identity is but being able to play in all situations being a, a, a guy that's not going to be a liability in any uh, way, shape, or form when he's out there in a third or a fourth line role and kind of willing to play um, to that sort of identity if he has to. I think all that stuff makes him a really good fit. And to your point, he can kick in offense occasionally, probably more than some of those other players. Right. Um, you know, like Jesper Boquist, I'll be honest with you. And I talked about this with uh, Mark Diver on the podcast last week. I watched him in training camp. I've seen him now in games. I really have not seen much of anything out of him. Nothing that's yeah. made him stand out or impress me. Um, certainly, I know Heinen. I think Heinen's a better player. Uh, Patrick Brown, I think, is a useful penalty killer and you know can win faceoffs and you know will help them when they have injuries. But like, I was of the opinion when they signed him, he lo- looks, feels, smells like a thirteenth forward to me. Like, like I think that's the kind of guy. Yeah. And when you see him play, like he's his skating speed is not up to pace with everybody else. And he struggles to keep pace with everybody. And he looks kind of like an AHL player that, you know, is going to kind of bounce back and forth and just doesn't have the skating speed to really, you know, stick at the NHL level along with the, you know, the offensive uh, capabilities either. So like, I think also Heinen's probably the best option. Like when they looked at all these players and said, you know, which one of these guys is going to be the best fit as far as playing sometimes, being able to play up, being a 13 forward, I think he's definitely the best. Um, so it's, I think it's a solid signing by him. The, the other part of this um, equation is the signing of Danton Heinen. That was one domino to fall. Now we talk about Matt Patra. Um, he played his ninth game uh, in maybe one of his toughest games last night where he, yeah. you know, you still see uh, the puck possession. You still see the creativity. Like I thought in a game that was extremely physical, was very intense, was like a heavyweight Atlantic division playoff style game. I thought he still fared okay. And he he, did, he looked like he belonged, but he also bad turnover to Barkov behind the net that led to one of the goals. He struggled in the faceoff circle. Like it, it, it was, he was pushed. There's no question about it. Um, but I think, you know, and it's interesting that the Bruins are playing coy now, um, not wanting to be too effusive in the praise, not, you know, um, not guaranteeing him a spot at this point or saying it's a done deal. Even Brad Marchand just basically saying he made the best case for himself. Seems like they're they're being, you know, they're walking the fence as far as not, you know, um, not not confirming anything or not uh, giving him that roster spot before uh, the, the team makes the announcement. And I wonder why that is or where that's coming from. Yeah. Um, but like, me watching the situation, me watching him play, me watching him the roster, uh, the way the roster is made up with him on it, the way it allows them to, you know, they don't have Taylor Hall in the third line, like you said, but if he's here and he's playing a top six role, you can move Charlie Coyle to the third line center spot. And I think that does help return them to some level of having a deeper lineup, you know, and having everybody slot where they should slot. And it kind of starts bringing back a little bit of last year, especially like, in some of those games where it was um, a third line of Coyle, uh, Van Riemsdyk, and Frederick, like that was yeah. outstanding. I thought that was when you were watching that, you're like, wow, they're really starting to get to a point where the depth is good again. And it it's really something you can look at and say that might be a strength uh, against other teams. All Obviously, it's predicated on Patra being able to handle a top six center role night in and night out. Um, 
And you know, I think he played like 18 plus minutes last night, which is a lot yeah. for a kid, uh, especially in a game like that. But um, everything I've seen out of him, everything I've seen out of the nine games, uh, knowing that he dominated in golf last year, like you put it all together. I don't think there's even, there shouldn't even be a question that he's on this team that he's, he's earned his NHL spot and he's going to be with the Bruins for a long, long time. And they're going to sell a lot of number 51 jerseys with Patra uh, on the back. So I think from a business standpoint, from a winning standpoint, from a development standpoint, as far as Patra goes, I, I think it all makes sense and all signs point towards him being on this team. But I, I, I just wonder, and I ask you, like, can you think of any reason why they're being, you know, uh, they're, they're sort of tiptoeing through this at this point? Uh, and why there should even be any question as to whether he's like, I guess the only thing I wonder is like, is there some kind of salary cap thing? That's a problem with keeping him um, that, uh, you know, is going to turn into an issue for the Bruins. And that's, you know, why some of this is going on. Like, I, that's the only thing I could even think of yeah. But other than that. I don't know why he wouldn't be on this team. Right. Yeah. I think that's the only possible thing could be something related to the cap, which if that's the case, then I'm sure Evan Gold and the, the cap gurus are like crunching the numbers. Non-stop well, they got to figure overnight, something out, right? right? Right. Because, because otherwise there's absolutely no reason, as you said, I mean, beyond well, the fact get crushed, that though, like if it turns into a thing where like for some stupid salary cap issue, right. Uh, they, he can't be on the team. Like they are going to get crushed by everybody. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you stop praising him now or not. Like, yes. Bruins fans are smart. Bruins media are smart. We we see what we see. We see a kid that clearly should be on this team and deserves to be on this team. And if you can't figure it out, you're going to get hammered from all sides. Right. I mean, it, we, you look at his overall game. He's already got, I think, looks like he belongs. As you said, uh, had a, a tougher game against Florida, which, again, so did, I think, every single guy on the Bruins, especially in that first period. It's the same yeah. thing we saw last year in the playoffs. Like, that Florida yep. Ford check is impressive when they're kind of barreling down on you. Um, yep. But you, you look at the way he's played, whether it's just the baseline production, um, you talk to a few of the guys on the team and how impressed they are with just his puck protection, um, how he's able to shield the puck, avoid kind of putting himself in bad spots where you're getting a lot of costly turnovers. Um, those are things you can't really teach, right? You can have, you know, I look at like a guy like Arthur Kaliev, you know, a few years ago when he had like a great wrist shot led to a few goals, but then he wouldn't back check. Like, any right. guy that's offensively skilled can put themselves on a highlight reel off of a great wrist shot or a great saucer pass. Not a lot of the guys can do what Potra does at his age of protecting the puck, not being a liability and building the team game, which he's kind of done night in and night out. So in terms of his individual contributions, he deserves a spot. But as you said, the Bruins can't afford to send him down to the OHL. No. Like they are a better team with him out there. I mean, he's a guy that as you're trying to find that cohesion, that chemistry, that, consistent five on five scoring he's one of the few guys that's kind of driving play regularly and it's it's all him just doing the little things that's impressive for a 19 year old right like he's protecting the puck he's cutting inside into like that great a ice and, and generating chances and as you said having him out there i think allows you to build kind of the framework of what i think you want in your lineup with a guy like charlie coyle in the third line like yep. uh when coyle's playing at his best and I don't know what it is, but him and Frederick always play really well together. You all of a sudden have kind of a physical puck possession, not, maybe not physical, but a puck possession, hefty kind of line that can do a little bit of everything, be kind of yep. your shutdown line, all those things. And, it, you know, if Patra is able to drive play further up the lineup, and it's whether it's with, you know, he played with Zaka and Pasternak the last game, he's had some good looks with Morgan Geeky, which is a guy that you want to get going as well. And if both those guys can play off each other, that's impressive. Like, 
Yep. However, however way you map it out, uh, the Bruins team, it's not just like, you know, a tip of the cap to a, a 19-year-old who I think has accelerated his timeline. Like, he obviously deserves to play up here full-time. Bruins need him. That's the most important yes. thing. Like, right now, yes. this 19-year-old kid is a key cog on this team, not for the future, but for right now during this season. Yeah, and that's it. Like, the bottom line is, like, they're not doing Matt Patra any favors. They need him. Like, they, yeah. he makes them a much better team when he's he's basically exactly what they needed, the answer to their prayers. Like, that, not that they, you know, he's the answer to their prayers because he came out of nowhere because they drafted him. They clearly saw talent there, and credit to yeah. the Bruins scouts and like i've always been on them to draft more ohl players more canadian junior players because those are the guys that every year when a team wins the stanley cup the vast majority of the players on those teams are always ohl canadian junior players like you know ohl uh sometimes from quebec obviously from the dub sometimes but they're coming from canadian junior leagues and predominantly from the ohl and the Bruins have sometimes been light in the draft on taking those kids. So I think they could look at this and say, you know what, this should be more impetus for us and more, uh, more firepower and ammunition for us to go and take more of those kids because that, you know, that's, that's something get a focus on. I, and I say this as, you know, somebody that's very involved in youth hockey around here. I love that they draft and, and sign local kids. I love that they go after college players. I love that that's, like a, a a talent stream that they continually mine out of and they should do that but they also need to focus a lot more on canadian kids because that's what yeah. you do when you have to win games and when you need to get the best players out there so like uh, credit to them for finding him for drafting him but the fact that he was ready right now is like a gift from the hockey gods dropped into their lap you know it's exactly what they needed and if for any reason they have to shy away from that turn away from that send them back to golf to like what get 150 points this year like what's congratulations the you know, yeah. yeah exactly like it, it should not happen so and you know i guess in thinking about it maybe part of the reason they're trying to scale back the talk too is because they're trying maybe there's some trade things that are out there and they're trying to like sort of play poker a little bit with whether they want to keep him or not yeah but I don't really think they're going to fool anybody there either. You know what I mean? Everybody knows they want to keep him like, and everybody yeah. knows the Bruins are against the cap. Like you're not going to fool anybody. I think at this point, if you're the boss, maybe, maybe they just don't want like a bunch of networks to put a microphone in his face every day. Like Connor <laughs> Bedard, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Try to, yeah. to maybe cool down the hype train a little bit. So we'll see. I think, I think the hype train has left the station Connor. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, a couple other things out of that game uh, in this, could also play into like some of the difficulty, like, and we've seen this around the NHL with, with other teams where at times they've had um, challenges icing a full team, you know, that sometimes they have to go, uh, you know, uh, short a D um, short of forward um, because of injuries, because of the salary cap uh, when it's hit certain teams at certain points, Matt Grizzlick goes out with an upper body injury that he he's going to miss a couple of weeks. Luch is already out of the lineup. They're missing Lauco. Like some of that stuff is starting to accumulate there. Um, you wonder if they're going to hit a point where the salary cap is going to be an issue with them and all the injured players that they have um, as far as, you know, icing a full team. And and I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to play out with their defensemen. Uh, now the Grizzlick's out for a couple of weeks and Charlie McAvoy is likely facing um, some kind of discipline and, and suspension for the headshot on, on Oliver Ekman-Larsen. 
uh, after last night. To me, that was a clear cut cut headshot. Whether he meant to yeah. do it or not, yeah. whether it was intentional or not, I don't think it really matters. The puck wasn't there. He clearly clipped him in the head. Um, and I, I think, you know, in addition to the match penalty that got him uh, tossed from the game, he's probably going to miss a game or two after that. Um, so this puts them in a really difficult spot the next few games, um, both from a depth standpoint and from a roster standpoint and from a salary cap standpoint. And I'm really interested to see how all this is going to play out amidst the backdrop of just signing Heinen of now right. making the decision on Patra. It seems like a lot of things are coming to a head and it may be, it may be a, a difficult couple of games to navigate, uh, for the next few for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, no, it's definitely tough. And it's too bad that you're losing so many key guys, especially, I think, during these games that were litmus tests, right? Like, even, like, I think you missed a guy like Lucic in that Florida game. That's one yeah. where you'd really like to see kind of the pushback he could bring. I'm sure the way that first period was going, I have to imagine there was going to be a big hit or something there that would have at least gotten the crowd going a little bit there. And even with this Toronto game against Ryan Reeves and a, a Toronto team, I think it's clearly tried to beat. That's a good point. Yeah, could we try to, I think, beef up their lineup a little bit? You know, this would have been a, a great test there. Even, like, guys like Lauko, who, you know, Lauko is not a heavyweight fighter by any means, but kind of knows how to read the room, right, and knows when to try to interject some energy in there. So that's kind of unfortunate in terms of just you're missing, I think, that element that I think the Bruins are really trying to maybe add more to their game this year when you look at the guys they signed. Um, but, yeah, in terms of just the bodies back there, that's going to be the biggest issue is – not just the, you know, who they bring up, whether it's are you looking at guys like Ian Mitchell or Zaboral, are you looking at is like Lori ready for a look, which seems like, you know, I know I know Dibs talked a little bit about him on your last podcast of, of what he's done down there so far. But yep. the the cap is the the looming thing over all of that is, you know, what exactly moves can you even make when you have those opportunities? Because it does look like at the very least you're not gonna have McAvoy for that Toronto game, which is makes an uphill battle even tougher without a guy like him out there. Yeah, and uh, just looking ahead, you're right. With uh, the games coming up, with uh, Toronto is a is a big one. I think that's uh, you circle and look at and say that's like a true test game. That's going to be interesting with with the lesser lineup. But you know, how how much do you think we should read out of the results of that game? Uh, I was impressed by the Bruins last night, uh, kind of avoiding any revenge talk and sidestepping yeah. that whole thing and basically saying it, it's not going to change what happened last year um, as far as that game. And I, I, I just think at the end of the day, that win over Florida was just their highest quality win of the season and um, the biggest win as far as sort of confirming and minting them as a true legit team, like a legit quality team in the NHL. Uh, where they went up against so many Western Conference cream puffs in the first few weeks, and it was hard to say that, you know, when they were winning mm -hmm. those games. But I think that game against Toronto was another one that is going to be in the measuring stick kind of like, you know, this is where this team is at. This is the statement to the rest of the league that the Bruins are legit and for real. Um, anything that you're sort of like looking forward to watching or reading into um, in that game uh, coming up, which is they're always entertaining and fun rivalry games. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you look at obviously Toronto's, you know, their whole game revolves around that offense, which is tough to corral. So I think obviously seeing how, again, the Bruins, I think have done a good job. You look at even like Detroit was flying high. They had a really strong power play. They were 0 for 4 in that game. Like they've done a really good job at shutting down the strengths of teams, especially on the offensive zone. So if they can, again, easier said than done, but slowing down Toronto's offense would be a, a big key for them, even without a guy like McAvoy. We'll see if maybe 
again, Hampus Lindholm played his best hockey last year when McAvoy was out of the lineup and he kind of was the do-it-all guy. So I think yep. getting him going, especially in the offensive zone, uh, would be a huge plus for them. But I think for me, the biggest thing moving forward, and it's the, what we talked about earlier on, Joe, is the, the ceiling of this team depends on how much offensive generation they can get. And you're still trying mm-hmm. to see where those pieces fall into place. I mean, it feels like every single game now, Montgomery is shuffling up his lines and I don't even know what are his lines right now in terms of, you know, what's the best case or who fits yeah. where. So seeing that continue to build, see where a guy like Patra settles in, whether they think he's with Zaka and Pasternak, whether they think he's with Geeky, um, you know, all those things, I think it's something worth noting. And if guys like him, I think a guy like Jake DeBrusque, you need to get him going. Um, you need that more 5 on 5 scoring punch. Um, those are the things that I think are the most important thing. I think we know night in, night out, you'll have the odd game, you know, maybe not as uh, disastrous as that Anaheim game, but you're going to have the odd game where they give up three or four goals. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, their defense and goaltending is going to be pretty strong night in, night out. It's whether or not the offense can continue to extend leads, build themselves some breathing room, those things. So I think that's where you have to watch moving forward, especially against Toronto that, I don't know what happened with Joseph Wall, but he's been he's been unbelievable out of the gate. So, yeah, and that's like basically that's really what the Leafs needed, you know, and that's what yeah. they were missing is is something like that, and that makes them a more complete team if they can have somebody that consistently can just you know stand in there and and stop pucks and and you know do what needs to be done and uh, you know be the backbone for that team because obviously they have the offensive firepower they've had that for years and it it. It's going to be an interesting game. I, I like you lament the loss of Lucic for that yeah. game. I was looking forward to Lucic Reeves making a statement to each other in the first game that they were going to play. I, I think it's a classic though, like strength against strength, um, you know, matchup, uh, offensive firepower, dynamic run and gun hockey from Toronto defense and goaltending for the Bruins. Yes. They're going to be definitely missing a bunch of players. I think a bunch of key guys, um, but I still think they have the, you know, the ability to play the way that they want to play. Um, it's going to be another Hampus Lindholm, probably 28 to 30 minutes spectacular. Like it was uh, <laughs> in that game against yeah. Florida, he logged a lot of ice time. Carlo and uh, Forbert were over 23 minutes too. And that's asking a lot out of all of those guys, but you know, that's the way it's going to go. I think until they get Grizzlick and um, McAvoy back. So um, you know, I think that's going to be a really good game. I, it, as far as the the odd game, yeah, I agree. Like you're going to have games like Anaheim, especially like when the schedule sort of like hits you with the, the yeah. scheduled loss feel kind of game that you thought going into it that was going to be anyway. Um, I actually was impressed by the way that they played in that game, just given the situation. Um, coming back from a West Coast trip with multiple time changes. Uh, first game back is usually a hot mess. I thought mm-hmm. it was, they almost pulled it off. Exactly. Uh, hot mess came out in the last, like, you know, five minutes of the game. Um, but I liked that uh, against Detroit a couple nights later, they were pretty much in the exact same situation, you know, and yeah. they're going to be in that situation a lot this year. Two to one game in the third period, they give up, they gave up the goal and all of a sudden Detroit is really coming at them. Uh, with with everything they have, feeling like they're going to be able to do what Anaheim did. And then Pasternak steps up and makes a few plays. And, you know, that's what you're going to need is, is something like that. But I thought it was really uh, important and encouraging that you saw the Bruins respond in a totally different way uh, the second time around against Detroit, against another, you know, good team that's playing really, uh, really good hockey this year, and be able to win that game 
uh, and then find ways uh, to get through it. Like, I think that's, you know, the sign of a good team. And and I really liked just like at the end, the way Pasternak got rewarded for making the right play off the boards to clear the puck yeah. net, like exactly what Jim Montgomery had been talking about the previous game that they were not doing and that they did wrong. And that you know, was a problem when the, when the net was empty Instead, he does the right thing. He clears the puck off the boards, banks it off the boards, and like the hockey gods make sure it trickles into the net. Like that's mm-hmm. getting rewarded for making the right plays and doing the right thing. And that is really uh, good to see. And and again, uh, in the game, uh, in the game against Florida, after the first period, they all talked about it after the game was over. They made an adjustment. You know, they were trying to do be too fancy going through the middle of the ice with the passing and in the transition plays to try to get zone entries. And they and it was very obvious to watch. You could see it during the game where it just turned it into a dump and chase game where they were just throwing pucks from deep in the neutral zone once they get over the red line behind the Florida net and then just like attacking them with four checkers. And it's, you know, meat and potatoes hockey. It's it's boring hockey. It's not like what they want to play, but you knew it was going to be effective. And it was the proper adjustment. And the Bruins bought in and adjusted exactly the way they were supposed to. Really, the one of the only times after the first period that they did anything, you know, through the middle of the neutral zone that was at all, you know, fancy was uh, Zaka hitting Pasternak on the on the run, you know, first right. speed when they went in and scored on the McAvoy goal. That was one of the few times they even attempted that. Most of the yeah. time, they were just like blinders on, throwing the puck uh, cross corner dump and go get it with the four checkers. So, like, I, I'm also, you know. I think Jim Montgomery this year is is being forced to do more coaching and forced as you know, well, like you mentioned, changing up the lines all the time, like making all of these adjustments, like doing things a little bit differently with the crew that he has. And we're seeing even more, I think, out of him from a coaching standpoint and, you know, probably going to end up being in an even more uh, Jack Adams worthy effort that he's going to put in this year than last year with the horses that he had. Um, you know, that he's going to have to work behind the bench. But I'm even getting more impressed uh, watching Jim Montgomery this year in a much more challenging situation for him uh, than he was put in last year uh, with that Bruins team. Yeah, I mean, you you look at last year, how many times did he mention, you know, the opportunity that he kind of was able to walk into a locker room that was commanded by so many guys that have been there forever, like Bergeron and Marshan Krejci and Yep. Uh, you know, he's mentioned Bergeron countless times before how he was almost an extension of the coaching staff, right? He was almost the the go-to liaison you can kind of lean to in terms of getting kind of the temperature of the room. And it's not to say that that is now completely gone and that, you know, yeah. Marchand's closing the door on these guys. But um, it, it's definitely impressive to see him, you know, switch things up a lot more. And I think adjust on the fly. This is a team that I think Jim Montgomery wants him to play with pace, wants them to be a lot more shot selective. But when you've got a team that also maybe doesn't have as much finishing talent or you're still trying to find the cohesion, maybe it's about simplifying things. Maybe it's about just getting pucks on net and letting guys like James and Reamsdyke get, you know, opportunities at the net front. Like it's all about, you know, I think what makes a good coach is when you have a set game plan, you have a way that you want your team to play, but it's also hockey shit happens and you have to adjust it on the fly and and work with what you have. And hopefully you're able to have your team – build into what I think your overall vision is for that roster, right? I think that's what makes good coaches uh, kind of envisioning that and getting to that product maybe by the end of the year. But it's always a work in progress for every single team. So to have him do that and switch things up um, and, you know, maybe change, you know, and stray from kind of the strengths of what he thinks his roster is just to get them to where they are right now. 
and incorporate that more and more. Yeah, that, that has been really impressive in terms of how he's worked with the team that, again, I don't think a lot of us expected them to be in a spot. I don't think anyone expected 8-0-1-1, but he's no. definitely uh, coaching a team that, at the very least, looks like they're going to be right in the middle of the playoff picture this uh, this upcoming spring. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's, it's, it's a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to, to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. Anything, Connor, uh, as we're closing out here that you are hot on, that you have a take on, that you haven't talked about, uh, that you you want to put out there that you've seen uh, over the first month with this Bruins team that you think is not being discussed enough? Uh, I mean, I'll probably just go back to what I said about, you know, the fact that Lucic and these guys aren't playing and how, how tough that is. And I think it's something that you, you go down that rabbit hole of like, ah, oh, this team needs needs grit and you get dismissed by a lot of people as to what that means or what that brings yeah. to a team. But I think you've seen it with, you know, you can, you can view and see how valuable those guys are just in terms of the extra energy they provide the, you know, the deterrence it is with having a guy like Leachich out there. I, I guarantee you that uh, against the game in Florida, instead of Frederick, maybe Patra's skating a few shifts with Leachich instead. Like yeah. I think you see that energy and the, the, extra I think oomph you get from having those guys in the lineup even a guy like Lauko like those guys just make things happen um and I think that's the kind of the perfect blend of what you need in teams is you know that high-end skill but if you have guys that can in you know inject energy make things happen I mean even look at like Florida like any all these teams that have a really strong forecheck can close in on you quickly and can make things happen and kind of muck things up usually do pretty well in the playoffs I think the Bruins have seen that like you need uh you know a lot more skill injected into your roster in today's NHL. We all know that, but finding that fine blend is something I think the Bruins were kind of missing. And I think you've seen it so far with uh, guys like Lucic and Lauko, and you just hope those guys are back soon. Because I think it's it's obviously fun having those guys out there. You love hearing the Luch chants and all those things, but yeah. that added element I think has been very very noticeable in those uh, games you've seen him out there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that is like a great observation just as far as the fourth line goes that. Like you now understand why Lauko and Lucic and Beecher uh, won those roles out of training. Yeah. Like, and you did then because you saw how well they were playing. But like seeing some of the other guys in those spots on that fourth line, the fourth line is just not nearly as effective right now yeah. uh, with the people that they're missing as it was when they had Beecher centering Lauko and Lucic. And it, it, 
that was a strength and that was something you noticed I remember opening night they were outstanding and like there was a few games where they were factors and pretty much every night they were bringing physicality energy and they were disruptive uh and they really were doing a very good job more often than not and you know I, I think the fourth line's uh much less of a factor right now uh with some of the other players that are in there and and certainly you know, on a whole different level, the the presence of Lucic just is a game changer for everybody. It makes everybody more courageous. It makes everybody mm-hmm. have a little more physical swagger. It makes everybody braver because they know he's going to have their back. You know, you do have the ability to with him. Uh, he's a guy that you, at times they will play up in the lineup a little bit because he's done it before in his past and he knows uh, how to play that role. And he knows you know, he's a very underrated, I think, playmaker and passer, and he's very good at, you know, hitting guys in good spots. And he did it multiple times in the preseason and the regular season where he found skill guys in the right place to set them up to do their thing. You know, whether it was Pasternak, uh, whether it was setting up Mason Lowry in the preseason with a great yeah. pass, like he's underrated doing that. And he has the ability to play with higher end offensive players. Because even though if he he's sometimes can struggle to keep up with them skating speed wise, like that's fine with a big, you know, cruiser weight like that, that's going to happen. But when he gets there and he has the puck, he can set guys up. And he's always been able to do that going back to his days playing with Nathan, Nathan Horton uh, and David Krejci. So any, obviously the net front thing is, is a, you know, a part of his uh, toolbox as well when he's playing with those kind of players. So I agree. Uh, definitely missing Lauko and Lucic uh, takes a big chunk out of the fourth line as far as just their ability to have an impact. Um, so hopefully they do come back sooner rather than later. And, and you know, great that Lauko was lucky and yeah, you know, absolutely serious happened there where, you know, what, what we've seen with tragic skate blade issues and, you know, things that have happened where it's coming more and more of a conversation in the hockey community about neck guards and about Kevlar protection all over, um, you know, for from skate blades that are coming up high. Uh, for him, that was like, you know, millimeters away from doing real damage to him. And for him to be able to come out the next day with a Lord of the Rings tweet. <laughs> make of course. Better, I of thought course, was pretty, yeah. It's pretty awesome. And it's why I get along with him. It's, I, I, you know, I... I I love going over and just talking to him about like new MCU shows uh, yeah. you know, that's going on. That's total, like, you know, comic book geek, sci-fi crap. Cause he's all into it. And he, he's, he knows what's going on with all of that stuff. Um, he's a, he's a pro too. I was like talking. Oh to yeah. Him. He I is. Like, I, I, I like the Lord of the Rings movies and he'll be like, ah, like you read like the, the extended like chapters of like the Tolkien. I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't know any of that stuff, man. Like that, <laughs> yes. that is beyond what I, what I'm investing in. So kudos to you for, for doing that but i'm not reading any tolkien novel no i'm not no, doing no. that he, he's in deep and i i appreciate that like anybody yes. that it, it is a professional athlete is that level and also has the ability to be a complete like uh, uh fantasy sci-fi comic book geek at the same time is my hat's off to you you are a, you are a rel, well-rounded renaissance man and that's what jacob loco is so you know glad to see he's he's gonna be all right and that uh you know he avoided any kind of serious injury there um yeah that's it for us this week thank you very much connor uh for being with me i appreciate it we'll do this again down the road sometime soon um thank you for listening to the pucks with hags podcast thank you to our sponsors factor meals america's number one ready to eat meal kit uh ready in two minutes or less 
Go to factormeals.com slash hags50. Actually, you probably just want it to be two minutes. If it's less than two minutes, it might be undercooked. So put it in the microwave <laughs> for two minutes. Uh, head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. And let's also thank fanduel.com, uh, fanduel sportsbook, fanduel.com slash Boston. Uh, the NFL and the NHL seasons are in full swing. Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you make a $5 bet. Win or lose, uh, spread, spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. Uh, so thank you to FanDuel Sportsbook. Connor, Ryan, once again, thank you very much. We will see you uh, at practice a little bit later today. Uh, we still got another home game to go, so we'll uh, see each other a few times this week. Thanks for talking hockey with me. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the ring. 